This is Mike Doyle, scribe of Chicago Carlos, the life and times of a former New Yorker living in downtown Chicago, and you're listening to my podcast, Downtown Local. Welcome to the kickoff weekly podcast from this downtown living you'd have to drag me kicking and screaming out of Chicago ex-New Yorker. This is Mike Doyle. What's on my mind this week? The Chicago Children's Museum's proposed move to Grant Park, for one. The weird return of warm weather, and with it, the heroin kids to State Street, for another. And how to have a summer filled with one-night stands in one easy lesson. Now anyone who gets their news primarily from the internet, like I do and perhaps three million other Chicagoans, knows that the Chicago Children's Museum is in the middle of a citywide debate over whether they should be allowed to replace their current home at Navy Pier, which they rent for a dollar, with a new home in Daly Bicentennial Plaza, otherwise known as the northeast corner of Grant Park. Now, Gigi Pritzker, the museum's chair, has gone on record saying they want to make the move because they need to be near covered parking and they need a bigger structure. And while they've got a lot of parking at Navy Pier, for better or worse, they just can't expand. Now, much as I dislike parking or cars in general, obviously there's a lot of parking underneath Grant Park. Should the Children's Museum be allowed to move there? Well, on September 12th, Chicago Tribune architecture critic Blair Kamen said, maybe. He called the museum's substantially subterranean design for a new building, uh, not great, uh, not bad, but in need of some tweaking. Sixteen days later, on September 28th, however, Kamen called the plan, quote, a venture into the architecture of the absurd. In other words, called the plan architecturally bankrupt. Now, of course, a few days before Blair wrote those words, 42nd Ward Alderman Brendan Riley went on record agreeing with the Sun-Times reporter's suggestion that the museum be built in a cave, which, as it turns out, is just about what the museum is planning. So I and a bunch of other people went on the bandwagon and took Alderman Riley to task for agreeing with such a silly comment. However, the fact remains that the museum is planned to be built substantially below grade, that seemed to be okay with Blair on September 12th. So why in the space of 16 days did he suddenly change his mind 180 degrees? Did he hold back on September 12th? Or did he receive a lot of pressure from the Chicago Tribune's editorial board, which has consistently been a vocal and virulent opponent to the museum's move? Now, assuming that a Pulitzer Prize-winning architecture critic is not apt to change their mind wholeheartedly within a mere 16 days, my money's on the latter. And if that's the case, not only does it send a bad message about the mercenary tactics and power of the Chicago Tribune's editorial board, not to mention its publisher, but it also sends a bad message about Blair Kamen and his columns, and the potential veracity of things you've read in the past in them, or in the future. 
I wish I had some other explanation for why a Pulitzer Prize-winning architecture critic would change their mind wholeheartedly 180 degrees in the space of two weeks, but I just can't come up with another one. And for the first time ever, I have doubts about Blair Kamen and his columns. And that stinks. And I never thought I would say that. Now, I'm not about to run around town and say that you should believe everything that you read, in the Chicago Tribune or otherwise, but I would hope, really hope, that the top columnists in the city of Chicago would be believable and would write the truth. I hope that's the case with Blair, but right now my jury's still out. As far as the Children's Museum, I think it should be put where Chicagoans want it, and if that's Grant Park, fine, and if not, fine. But more than that, I think we should be having a fair debate. And as far as I'm concerned, after having read Blair Kamen's two columns on September 12th and September 28th, it's pretty clear, at least in the pages of the Chicago Tribune, that that's not happening. And to the members of the New East Side Association of Neighbors who've been asking me whether I'm being paid by the Chicago Children's Museum to write about them on my blog, I'm not. I assure you, if I were doing media for the museum, they'd be getting much better press. Ah, State Street, that great street. Home of the Chicago Theater, the former Marshall Fields, and I swear to God I'll never refer to it as Macy's. And what's that smell? Is that a homeless person? Is that a vagrant? Is that a bum? Oh no, it's a youth holding up a sign that says, Stranded in the Loop, please help. Because every time the weather warms up in Chicago, Downtown Chicago is besieged with a gang of youths that scams money from people who don't live down here under the pretext that they are stranded in the loop and need help. You know you've seen them before. Tattered clothing that looks like it fell out of a really bad production of Godspell. Dirty, stringy, gross, blonde cornrowed hair. The occasional gaping wound on skin that looks like it hasn't been washed since the last Bush administration. And to go for that mom-and-pop angle, a little kitten or puppy nestled between crossed legs, next to that sign that's always the same, stranded in the loop, please help. I've often thought how careless it is for such a large percentage of Chicagoland's youth to suddenly become stranded downtown every year when it gets warm. The truth is, what those of you who don't live downtown don't see, is these kids at five in the morning or at 11 o'clock at night meeting up to make their plans and dole the money out that they've all collected and decide where they're going to go buy drugs tonight. For those of us who live downtown, it's kind of like the homeless people who collect money on the bridges across the Chicago River. Once you've seen them sitting there on the side of the bridge smoking a joint and drinking a six-pack, you pretty much stop giving them money because you know where it's going. The veracity of these kids is not to be believed. And for me, it's not because you never see them sleeping on the streets, but you can't take a pet into a homeless shelter, and yet they all have those cute little dogs and cats. And it's not because I always see them dropped off and picked up by somebody's car or somebody's van, and that somebody driving the car generally doesn't look as disheveled as they do. No, no, it's not that. It's that if you look really closely at them, you follow them around maybe into an alley in the middle of the day, you'll see them pulling out that cell phone. Now you have to plug a cell phone in somewhere. 
and the last time I checked, it's pretty hard to try to plug a cell phone into a lamppost. So these kids are from somewhere. They're just out for a joyride. They're out for having some fun during the summer. Maybe, maybe they're an improv troupe. Maybe they're a gang of kids from the northern suburbs who want to see how the other half lives. I don't know. I don't care. I think they're kind of fun to watch. After all, I'm always a big sucker for watching suburbanites get scammed out of money by obvious city hustles. But the next time you see them, I would suggest taking along the yearbook of a North Shore high school, perhaps Evanston, or no, even better, New Trier, because they're in there. They're in there. And I'd bet money on that. Oh yeah, you know it. The theme from a good summer. That's what that music is. At least if you're a hedonistic nymphomaniac. And perhaps I was a bit of one over this past summer. But I had a good reason. If you want to know the secret of having a series of one-night stands for your entire summer that perhaps you'll regret and perhaps you won't, but you'll have a great time trying, here it is, summed up in two easy words. Get dumped. Regular readers of Chicago Carlos know that it was the shock of my life when my partner of more than two years, Devin, left earlier in the year. Perhaps it was our final meeting on IBM Plaza that sums it up best. I said, I love you and I don't want to regret it the rest of my life by not telling you one last time. And he said, Get away from me! Now when you have all of your emotional guard down and something like that happens, it's enough to drive anybody off of their 38th floor balcony. I mean, as far as I was concerned, I had every single symptom of major depression. I felt like I should have gotten a statue in the mail from the American Psychological Association. You know, something like in the shape of a sad clown face made out of pewter. Luckily, like hordes of socialites before me, I found St. John's Ward, which I like to call God Zoloft. $15 a month at Whole Foods, and now I no longer feel like hurtling over my balcony. Instead, I just sort of fantasize about cleaning it. But St. John's Ward has another interesting property. It makes you feel free of your inhibitions. And when you're an internet scribe like I am, that can pose certain challenges. Like not meeting one hot guy after another on, I don't know, Bear411, Match.com, um, Silver Daddies. Anyway, and... I quickly discovered over the summer that the easiest way to not think about the fact that I wasn't getting over my ex-boyfriend was to try to meet another one. Well, maybe boyfriend is a euphemistic term here, because for the first time in my life, thanks to the St. John's Ward, I realized what I was really after was a good lay. Not having actually had sex for two years, I figured I deserved it. Now when you start missing socks and the occasional pair of boxer briefs and you don't know where they've gotten to and you just can't find them at the bottom of your washing machine, 
you pretty much have to realize that your life has turned into Samantha from Sex and the City. And mine certainly did. A little St. John's wart-induced confidence and a few well-placed smileys and suddenly I was realizing that I was a hot property. That I didn't need to beg for somebody's attention like I had done for so long because there were people out there who would give it to me. Alright, it wouldn't be in the context of a relationship, but at least I didn't have to cook dinner for them beforehand. And everything was going great too until I started seeing reflected back to me behaviors that Devin and I had both perpetuated for a long time in our relationship. And then I started realizing, maybe one night stands weren't all they were cracked up to be. You know, there were two kinds of codependent in this world and me and my ex were on opposite sides of that spectrum. There's the kind like me who has a tendency to want to get married the second they meet somebody. And there's a kind like Devin who want to tell you that they love you and then run screaming at the earliest opportunity. I started to realize that the men that I was meeting were on either side of that spectrum, one or the other. Marry me now or I like you but get the hell away from me and not in the middle at all. And that's when I realized I really needed to start working out my issues. Perhaps having a summer of one night stands was actually a gift to help me realize that there's some middle ground that I was missing. Still, I didn't get the message at first, because attention is like power, you know, it corrupts very easily. It, it wasn't until I decided to stay in Chicago that I realized I had to change my ways. You know, my mother always told me, don't shit where you eat, and if I was staying in Chicago, I had to not alienate the entire dating population of this city if I ever wanted to be married. So I decided to stay and put my Samantha ways in the closet but my summer of love was still a great lesson. I mean, it, it's nice to know that in the right light, with the right music, and the right I am, maybe I am all that and a bag of chips. But the best part is, now I know, I don't need Devin, or a 2 a.m. ride home in some hot guy's convertible, to prove it. Your mileage may of course vary, but that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. This is Mike Doyle, and you've been listening to Downtown Local, the podcast of Chicago Carlos, the life and times of a former New Yorker living in downtown Chicago. Join me again next week, and until then, you can visit me on the web at www.chicagocarlos.com. See you later, Big Daddy.